You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of old. No kids allowed on the beach? What? I'm not true! Oh, no! Oh, no! We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow, can you believe I found this online? Well, I guess it's not that secret a beast. Whoa! Who would leave this? From the hotel! They're so rusted! What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. I don't know. What happened to her? Her body has decomposed. How quickly can that happen? Seven years. But she just died. Wait, where are the kids? Trent! Kara! Come here! Hey, have you seen my children? Mom? I'm, I'm right here. Why are you looking at me like that? What's happening to us? My daughter just turned six two weeks ago. Mom! Whatever's happening to us is happening very fast. You have wrinkles. There's something wrong with this beach. What's happening? Mom! 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 I'm scared! We have to get off this beach! People are blacking out going this way. If she makes it to the ledge, she might have a chance. Why is she stopping? Why is she stopping? Kara, wake up! Wake up! They have to know what this place does. I don't know! You're lying! Look! What is that? A message. We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. We're connected to something bigger. for a reason. You were just listening to the trailer for Old, and the story is as follows. A thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discover that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. The film is starring Gael Garcia Bernal, Vicky Creeps, Rufus Sewell, Ken Lung, Nikki Amuka Bird, Abby Lee, Aaron Pierre, Alex Wolf, Eliza Scanlon, and Thomason McKenzie. It is written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Emma Sasek. Hello, everyone. Danilo Castro. Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando were in the same movie. Yes, they were. Yes, they absolutely <laughs> freaking were. But we don't know what. <laughs> but we don't know what. Well, I mean, that's what IMDb is for. Yes. <laughs> and Josh Parham. Hello, hello. All right. Let's talk about the latest M. Night Shyamalan, a filmmaker that I have a love-hate relationship with. And every time he comes out with a new movie, I am astounded to see how many defenders he has out there. But the guy's made some pretty good movies. I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm also not going to take away the fact that his movies have gotten more of a mixed reception split right down the middle, no pun intended. Um, there are people who do fall into that positive camp. So there are people out there who feel that he is a majority hit rather than miss filmmaker. I think he's a very inconsistent filmmaker. And in many ways, that was kind of what I got out of old. I saw flashes of the brilliance of what he has done with some of his previous works. But then, then, but then there were some choices that were made that really, really kind of cemented once again why I don't necessarily jive with him as a filmmaker. However, you can't say that the guy doesn't take risks and that he is not necessarily a, a bold storyteller. I do think that he is a very, very uh, singular filmmaker out there right now that is making 
original material, even though this is an adaptation, it still very much feels like it has come directly from his mind, as many of his other films have. So I think that in talking about his latest film, there's also kind of this decision that we all need to make about him as a filmmaker. As a person, I the guy's like the nicest human being alive, but how do we reckon with the storytelling choices that are being done in this movie? I think that at this point, because he has proven himself to be such a commodity within Hollywood and his own brand, if you will, he has his legion of supporters who will defend anything he does. And then there are people who will always be critical of his work. And I do love the discourse that surrounds his movies every time they release because of that. Anyway, this has been a very, very long intro. I'm getting old just talking about it. Let's talk about old. All right. Who wants to start? Jesus. Let's start off with Danilo Castro. Oh, all right. Let's see. <laughs> Somebody it's, had to take that bullet. Did. <laughs> the chamber landed on me. Um, so I like some of M. Night Shyamalan's movies quite a bit. But he's someone that, as time has gone on, I think his strong tendencies as a filmmaker have sometimes overtaken what I think are maybe good decisions. I think sometimes he lets his muse sort of get the best of him, and they result in movies that are bold but but a little off. Um, always memorable, but not always good. And so, like you like you said, Matt, very inconsistent when he hits he hits when he doesn't it's still interesting but it is certainly not exactly what i was hoping for and with this this one lands i'm gonna say more towards the negative unfortunately i think there's some great stuff here conceptually i think there's some scenes that really hit what he's going for well but it's surrounded it's dressed up in all this stuff that's just so bizarre and some of it feels intentional some of it doesn't and i think that's where i my biggest issue with his films and this film in particular lie is i can't really separate what is a bold choice from an unintentionally odd choice yeah i've been hearing a lot of that lately where people are saying oh no all the things that you guys think are flaws are all intentional and he's intentionally yeah. trying to do this unintentional b-movie like style and i'm just like is he though <laughs> it's so yeah it's hard to like sort of pull apart um i'm sure we'll get into the dialogue so i'm gonna leave that be for now but ultimately yeah no this isn't this is a disappointment but it's still an interesting disappointment for me at least yeah i agree i mean i was disappointed by his last film glass and part of that was definitely because of high expectations heading in but I walked away from that saying the same thing you just said Danilo at least it was an interesting disappointment at least it was something that got me thinking and provoked some conversation and I wasn't mm -hmm. ever bored if anything some of the poor decisions that are made in the storytelling are actually the things that are keeping me on my toes and <laughs> actually keeping me engaged throughout yeah because it's so baffling yeah. <laughs> all right let's hear next from Emma Sasek by the way, Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson appear together in one film, The Missouri Breaks, yep. for all our listeners out there who are nice. curious what that was. It's just a shame that uh, Rufus uh, Sewell never got that answer. I was going to say we paid it <laughs> off in a way that the movie didn't. And we only got there in three minutes and not 45 years. Oh, man. <laughs> Incredible. Get us um, a movie deal. <laughs> I, uh, I am kind of split haha on this film there are going to be a lot of puns in this podcast for everybody listening um i think i mean like we kind of said like if we have to give the man credit for anything he does know how to entertain us in a lot of ways and this movie like just kind of made me like roll my eyes or like chuckle at really stupid things i saw i kind of kept like a running tab going of Things that like made me just kind of like, wait, what? Why is this here? Why did we choose to do this? And there are a lot of question marks on a lot of things and like really big caps on like things like, what? Why? This doesn't make sense. Who does this? So definitely a movie that um, maybe doesn't hold like fully make sense. And, you know, the premise of it is kind of ridiculous like I think we kind of have to admit that 
And, uh, but I think that like a lot of, there are some things in here that do really make it interesting. Um, I think some of the performances were pretty fun. Um, as Danilo kind of suggested, the dialogue is a little cringe a lot of the times. Um, it's just so interesting to see how this director who we know he can do really, really great, uh, twists and just really, uh, like out of nowhere, these buildups that lead to that one big moment that like totally takes your breath away. We know that we can do that, but there are some times where he just doesn't do it. And I, I wonder like, what is it? Is it just the idea itself? Like it's too ambitious of an idea. Um, is it just, you know, it, it didn't pan out as well as it could have. I'm not really sure what it is. And it kind of seems like it with this film, like when we get to the twist, it was kind of unexpected for me, but once I heard what it was, I was kind of like, well, eh, I'm not like as excited about that twist as I would have liked to have been. Um, it's still kind of like, oh, I did not see that coming whatsoever. Um, although some clues and hints were there along the way. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of like processing this film. I kind of came out of it and I was like, well, all righty, how do I how do I sum this up on letterbox? How do I <laughs> tweet about this right away? Um, and I'm still kind of processing a lot of that. So I'm excited to see what everybody else thinks on here and to kind of d dig a little deeper on some of these things. Yeah, I, I, I do like that. We have these reviews on Saturday, the weekend of release, because, yeah. you know, these these thoughts that we're wrestling with are new, they're raw. And we sometimes haven't had time to process. I can't tell you, there have been many times where I've done one of these podcast reviews and then weeks later, I'll change my mind about something because something has stayed with me or I mm -hmm. think more poorly about it afterwards. I mean, but in that regard, though, I feel like with M. Night Shyamalan's filmography, there's always kind of this, I feel, shifting of appreciation where people are like kind of taking stuff that was at the time maybe misunderstood and reevaluating it as uh, a great movie. Like um, I've seen a lot of people praising the village uh, the last couple of days and signs. And, you know, these movies were seen as sort of disappointments, you know, following the success of uh, the sixth sense. We all know unbreakable obviously got reevaluated as well. So this has been a common theme in his film filmography, and we don't really know necessarily where old will land, but I need now to hear from Josh Parham because, <laughs> Josh, your state of mind after having watched this film can be summed up by one word, confusion. Am I right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, you know... I, I do actually echo a lot of what's already been said. I think this movie does have, first of all, a really great concept. The idea of being on this beach and you're getting old and that being the element of horror is really good. Like, I think we can all admit that. I like that idea. And I even think that there are some sections of this movie that explore that idea in some really intriguing ways, whether it is actually rooted in character or just some very like interesting set pieces that the movie does. There are times where I'm very riveted by what's going on in this film. The problem that I run into is that I think this movie overly complicates its own premise to a point where I'm not totally invested in like this very simple story. I think that there are attempts to really broaden its rules and the world building to a point that I didn't really feel was necessary and kind of just got in the way of things. And there are just some really bizarre decisions that I'm sure fans, the the the, um, the diehard fans of Shyamalan will tell me are all, as we said, intentional. But there are just some things that happen in this movie where I just fully do not understand that this, some of the creative decisions that were made. And those do add up after a while, and I'm just utterly confused by some of those choices. And I am left with a movie that has some things I do think are really good and I do think are very interesting, but the execution does leave a lot to be desired for me, whether that is the writing, whether that is some of these very weird, like, shot choices in this film. And 
I wish I could say that I really liked this movie. I don't think I did, but I do appreciate a lot of what's happening, but it is extremely flawed for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jesus, man. When I was watching this, I had the same reaction you did, Josh. I was, I was very intrigued by the premise. I was super into what was happening uh, in terms of the plot, the setup, I really liked the way that the movie set up the uh, main family, the Kappa family. I was really, really into everything that was going on. And then they meet up with the other characters on the beach. And then that's where things just start getting weirder and weirder. And I don't mean in terms of creepy, atmospheric dread, as one would do in a horror thriller film like this. I just mean in terms of, like you said, Josh, the storytelling decisions that he is making here in terms of shot composition, in terms of the dialogue, in terms of the situations that the characters encounter. I mean, there's a character on this beach named Midsize Sedan. Oh my God. I, 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 I don't understand why... Ha, ha, anyway... So, <laughs> just leave it at that. There's also then these added layers put in in terms of oh we got to flesh these each one of these characters out and give them definable traits and I kind of like that bit of it because it reminded me a little bit of watching something like Lost where you had all these distinct personalities on a beach uh, on an island in that case and they were all kind of clashing with one another over um, problems that were arising, right? So there's a lot of conflict that's introduced into this plot and you have all these clashing personalities that are trying to wrestle with the concept of what exactly is happening and how do we all deal with it. And I really liked the film's established stakes in that regard. So that was definitely keeping me invested throughout. But then as we've all just been alluding to this entire time, there are moments where the writing is taking like a huge left turn and you're just like, why is that? Why is that even there? Um, For example, Rufus Sewell is uh, playing uh, a doctor who who is suffering from schizophrenia. (laughs) Like, very interesting choice, you know, to have your doctor character be suffering from something like that. I mean, every character in this movie is actually suffering from something, uh, some sort of an illness of some sort, which I also really liked um, because it plays into the twist, which admittedly I you know, didn't think was that great, by the way, uh, because it is he- heavily telegraphed, like it didn't come out of nowhere. I think we could all see coming, obviously, miles and miles away what was going to be the ending to this movie. But what you but what the movie is hoping for is they're hoping that we'll get emotionally invested in these characters so that this way we'll be left wondering by the end, okay, who makes it out and who doesn't. I think that's what the movie's more so going for with its ending than any kind of a hey, gotcha, pull the rug out from underneath your twist. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's it is really going for like the traditional ending twist that we normally are accustomed to. And you know, without getting into it too much i i actually just think that that is a problem for the movie with me and i think when i was talking about how this story kind of overly complicates itself i think those elements where it tries to include you on uh onto a larger world that's around this beach to me is when i lose interest in the story honestly i think that it is stronger when it is laser focused on these people in this situation with some of the clunky dialogue aside, that element is where I think the movie is really strong. And I honestly didn't need anything else. Like, I honestly didn't need there to be a twist in this movie. And I think the attempts to broaden the scope is what I actually think is the detriment of many of the decisions that are made in in the storytelling. I didn't really need it, to be honest. I mean, how much stronger of a film do you guys think this would have been on a metaphorical level? if there was no explanation given for the beach. I think that would have been much better. I think, to Josh's point, when we leave the beach in the end and the twist happens, the emotional uh, sort of buildup sort of gets punctured. I, I don't I'm not emotionally attached really to what occurs. It's more just like exposition dump to explain what we've been watching. And that's not as that's just not as interesting as what was going on on the beach. Yeah, it's it's 
I'm it's more homework like oh okay oh I get that okay I felt it felt a little reminiscent of the ending of uh, Glass mm. where there was sort of like a telegraph like oh okay there's bigger forces at work here but I don't I I don't think it really works in either um, and in this one especially it's just I'm just sort of waiting for my brain to to process the information versus like my my emotional sort of core and yeah by that point i was i was fairly checked out yeah i think that's the thing is that this movie started me off on such a high in terms of my level of intrigue that by the time we did get to the end i honestly didn't really care anymore by that point because there had just been so many issues that had happened throughout this movie for me while watching it that they had all kind of just compounded to the point that it was like okay I understand that you want me to care about the fate of these characters by the end of the movie here but I'm still trying to grapple with all the other bullshit that you threw at me earlier (laughs) that I can't even concentrate on what's going on (laughs) I think that yeah for me I never once felt myself like emotionally invested in like any one specific character and really I guess the whole group's fate it was just kind of like these ridiculous scenarios after another or just like really bland characters that were written like um I mean I guess we have like Rufus Sewell's Charles character who is just kind of like what is going on with this one and then you have good old mid-sized sedan where <laughs> you're just not given a whole lot with him um I like the I feel like that character's only purpose is to highlight uh highlight how much Charles is a racist yeah yeah I was just like what is and it's like just very redundant and I don't understand what the larger commentary was there if there even was one Mm mm-hmm I guess it's like, oh, we need to establish that this guy's not a good guy. And there's like a million other things you can do to establish that. And they also go to other lengths before they even get to the beach to show that he's maybe not, you know, the nicest guy in the world, despite the fact that he's probably the most important person on that beach for all the situations that these characters are going through. But man, yeah, like there was no payoff to that. There was like, why was it there? (laughs) He's a very careless doctor. Like, that man did not show interest in helping a single person other than saying, I'm a doctor, and that's it. Yeah, I did like to say that, though. <laughs> yeah, just to say that. But yeah, I mean, like, as we just kept going with this movie, and like, in the beginning, it was interesting to see these changes, although they were a little slow in the, you know, in the beginning with the, the kids and then eventually the adults. But by the end of it, when, you know, you kind of see what is happening to each person. You're just kind of like, all right, I guess moving on, let's see what, what happens next. So I never once really got that emotional connection and I don't really know why it could just be these crazy situations or I don't know. It just didn't seem like a movie that was written in order to like feel that connected with any one person. I guess, you know, um, with Gail Garcia Bernal and Vicky Cripps, you know, they, they kind of have some interesting moments in there where I think like a larger, larger takeaway lesson is like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you were mad about like 10 days ago, 10 years ago, 10 minutes ago. Like you just have to you think about that one thing that brings all humans together and that's love. Oh, so powerful. M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> uh, actually, the one thing that brings us all together is that we're going to die. <laughs> that too. That too. I almost feel like I almost feel like that that's what he was getting at more so than anything. <laughs> <laughs> love and death, the two constants in life. Yeah, and taxes. And taxes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. So getting into the performances here a bit. I knew heading in that I was going to probably have some issues with Alex Wolf and Thomas and McKenzie having to play uh, younger versions of themselves because then I knew that there was going to be some emotional choices being done by them as actors. And under M. Night Shyamalan's direction, I was just very (laughs) cautious about how I would approach that. Um, But... I got to admit, I thought they actually played it off pretty well at times, and it didn't ever become uh, grating or annoying to me in any way. So I was very, very uh, pleasantly surprised by that. Um, 
it, it felt like Gael Garcia Bernal was, I as his character ages on the beach, he just became less and less of an interesting presence to me the entire time. And instead, Vicky Creeps, I think, is the one who held up the best throughout this. Isn't that what happens? Women just ultimately become much more interesting than any men out there <laughs> <laughs> as we get older. Duh. <laughs> he, he does get more passive. Um, yeah. I, I don't personally yeah. think he had that strong of a personality earlier yeah. on. And so he does really like fade and, and you, you you sort of start to forget he's he's in the group. Yeah, I, I, I really don't think that he has a great character to begin with. So like, I love Gael Garcia Bernal. I think he's a great actor, but I think he's this amazing. role, yeah, the role is just not really all that interesting. The heavy lifting is with Vicky Creeps, and I think that she gives a good performance, too. I I agree with you, Matt, that I had the same sort of reservations going into this movie with watching older actors play like they're six years old, but I don't think it's quite as bad as I imagined it would be. No. I think that there is an actual calculation to kind of change the tenor of those characters dialogue as they get older so it's not quite as cringy as it is like at the very beginning of the movie and uh yeah alex wolf i think is good thomas and mckenzie i think is actually the best performer in the film i actually really liked what she was doing as, as his character who's like at the point where we see her she's like old enough to sort of understand some things about the world some of the more complicated things but obviously is not a full adult yet and i think when we get to the point where she ages to being played by Thomas and McKenzie. She handles that complexity rather well. And in a movie that I don't think has a ton of like really great performances, to me, she was the one that actually really stood out as being able to kind of handle a weird character that I don't think is all that well written and actually get some emotional depth that I could connect to. I love how with like each passing like half hour, because in this film, like half an hour is one year. Is that what they said? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So with each passing half hour where she's aging one year, you kind of get to see like just in her performance, the maturity kind of come out too. Cause like when we're first kind of introduced to her, you just kind of hear this like scared little voice. Like, why are you looking at me like that? Like, why, what, what's going on with me? Like just that, you know, freaking out child presence. Um, but then as it gets, you know, as time goes by and as she ages, you're seeing her become, you know, a 16 year old, a 20 year old, a 25 year old, however, however old she ages on this beach. So I actually really, really enjoyed that about her performance as well. <laughs> and then Alex Wolf learned the evolution of life very quickly in this film too. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Allison Pill. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, Eliza Scanlon. <laughs> They, she really, she really does look like Allison Pill at times, right? Am I, am I going crazy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, she totally does. Uh, but yeah, that whole bit—that <laughs> was something where I had an internal dialogue with myself of, "Oh, the vibes are there for oh my god that yeah. to happen," and I hope that we're not going there. Oh crap, we're going there. Oh no, 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 no! And then things just started happening so fast. I. Uh, it was okay. I was very uncomfortable with that. If I have to, if I have to be perfectly honest with you, because having the mind of a six year old, but the body of a hormone filled teenager, uh, was something that was a lot. Yeah. I, I, I don't really need to know what that perspective feels like. That's a yeah. horror movie in and of itself. Like right? that's just a horror movie, not this movie in the <laughs> whole. Yeah, I mean, although I could imagine the other side of that argument being, you know, the perspective of a lot of people is that, you know, teenagers getting together, they are basically like children and they are immature and they get themselves in this kind of a situation and it just escalates to something that they can't control. Like I can understand that like intellectual argument for it. I do see where you're coming from, Matt, also where you feel a little bit uncomfortable with the ideas that the movie's exploring. What I would say, though, is that is one of the handful of scenes that I think actually does have some genuine suspense and terror. When I saw yeah. it with my audience, it was 
there was an audible reaction to like when she walks out and <laughs> you see her stomach, like the audience actually reacted to that. And that says something. And I think it's actually a really well done moment of tension that within the rules that the movie's already been establishing of what this beach is, it like indulges in them in a logical way. And I found it to be a very engaging sequence. I liked moments like that. And I liked the fact that whenever um, they would get some sort of an injury because time was moving so fast, it would heal up fast as well. Mm -hmm. So I was really intrigued that the movie was playing around with that idea, especially with the uh, the tumor scene. Uh, I I found that uh, on that same level, Josh, to be one of the scenes in the movie where there's real stakes, a genuine sense of suspense. This is like M. Night Shyamalan doing what he does best here. And then there is the the, the cave bones sequence. <laughs> I don't want to give away spoilers or anything like that. Yeah. But I just want to say up front, I like that sequence. I know that there's been some divided opinion a little bit, but the execution, I think, could have been slightly better. I'll agree with that. <laughs> but again, the idea that it's working with is actually, I find, something to be rather interesting and intellectually is horrifying no i i agree with you on that level i i definitely do i just feel that from a visual standpoint that scene went overboard to the point that like if that clip surfaces online you just know that people on social media are going to rip the movie apart uh for those that haven't seen it yet i mean even the clip that they did share online of just the dialogue and stuff people were already ripping the movie apart but that scene in particular that's something that you don't want to see out of context (laughs) i agree yeah when when it occurred the first time or when the scene starts i should say it's like oh that's that's a creepy concept that's awesome Mm -hmm. and then it keeps going and it keeps going and you're like oh we might have overdone it yeah exactly (laughs) we might have overdone it and it it was frustrating because it was it's such a Visually, it's so creepy and conceptually, like you were saying, Josh, it's like, oh, that's that's really that's um, good body horror from him, which isn't necessarily his forte. Then there's the decision to and I I actually like this. I just wish once again it was executed just a little bit better. But conceptually, I love the idea of having these more horrific tension filled moments uh, earlier on. But then when we kind of hone in on the characters that we care about the most the movie actually gets very quiet and instead goes for a more introspective approach to aging and dying. And once again, I felt like the execution could have just been slightly better. But as an idea, I, I was really liking with uh, what M. Night Shyamalan was playing around with there. I really enjoyed um more of the toned down experiences that Gail Garcia Bernal and Vicky Creeps was mm-hmm. were going through. Um, for example, there is one scene where Vicky is realizing that like she has hearing loss. I love that moment just right. because like moving to one side, moving to the other, and like you audibly get to you know experience that. And then Gail, uh, on the other hand, is kind of, is like his uh, vision is getting worse and worse. And then you get to see that as well. I kind of lo- I really love those toned down moments because I don't know. I feel like they just felt so much more real than whatever, you know, a lot of these other moments that we were seeing. Not to say that other moments and experiences that people go through in this film are not ones that people actually go through. But there was just something to really enjoy about those, that toned down, more intimate experience that those two had felt and were going through with themselves in that moment. So, And I wrote down uh, the hearing moment as one of my favorite scenes from the film. Yeah. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. 
Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. I really, really like that idea that he's playing around with there where it's like, okay, we've given you the shock and awe. Now let's quiet things down a bit. Let's hone in on the real sad and lonely parts of getting old, which doesn't always have to be so horrific. It's sometimes this slow, progressing death march, if you will. And I I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. Once again, no, I just kind of wish... I think what would have made it better, if I'm being completely honest with you, is that if the cinematography was just a little bit better. Oh, oh my God. Man. <laughs> Jesus. We haven't talked about that. We have not talked about that. Um, <laughs> this might be the worst cinematography in a major studio film that I've seen. And, and, and for the record, I know that there are, like, I know that there's poor cinematography in other major studio films that maybe that intentionally so have poor cinematography, maybe because they're like a kid's you know family film. But this is M. Night Shyamalan. This is a director who has given us some really technically sound films. I would not have expected some of the shots in this movie, some of the movements of the camera. I, I was Ugh. very taken aback by almost every single aspect of what the cinematography was doing. Even the lighting, like I said, in that scene with uh, Gael Garcia Bernal and Vicky Creeps at the end there, it's so, so dimly lit that I almost couldn't, like, make out the actors' performances and what was going on. It's just, like, one baffling choice after another. Truly. Like, baffling is the right description. There are <laughs> there are some shot compositions where I fully do not understand why two people are talking to each other and like one person is fully in the frame and the other person, I can only see like their nose. Like, mm-hmm. I, d- I don't understand it. And I can recognize to a point that like, yes, sometimes in very bizarre stories that you're trying to tell, you know, you have some weird camera setups and that's supposed to indulge in the anxiety that the characters are feeling. I get that, but there, the decisions made in this movie, I just felt more distracting to me. And it really felt like the, the way that this movie was shot, I just could never really get into the story. I just kept thinking about, man, that's an odd way to shoot this scene. Right? That's another odd like whip pan that they yeah. just did. That zoom is really strange. And that's all I kept thinking about. And it never felt organic to the actual storytelling. It felt like a gimmick to kind of show off a trick that never really got me more invested in the actual story or the character. I mean, because that's the thing, right, is if it is intentional, then tell me what is the intent? What what is what are these? What are they getting at? Yeah, poorly composed shots supposed to be saying to me as a viewer, like subconsciously about the film's themes or something. Like, what is what is the trick here? There was a scene where the doctor was attacking someone, and it whip pan to him, and it focused for a second, like on like his ear. It was like, it, was that where you were going for? <laughs> mm-hmm. It was so confusing. I, it felt like 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 a like a bum take that like made it into the cut on accident it, it was very bizarre there was an early scene uh to kind of piggyback on what you're saying about the scene on the beach with the the main couple matt where they're arguing in their hotel room and it's in one shot and and bernal's not even backlit it's, not, it's just weird it's not even it's not even like compositional it's just like we don't even have lights to see what's going on it was mm-hmm. really baffling it's like technically bad in different ways and this is from the cinematographer who shot uh, Jordan Peele's Us. He also worked with M. Night Shyamalan on Glass and Split, which I I didn't think that those were, you know, poorly shot movies like no. this. No, not at all. Under the Silver Lake and It Follows both look great. So I kind of rest this at the feet of Shyamalan in terms of, hey, you know what? Maybe he is going for something. Maybe there is some sort of an intent behind it, but that never translated to me. No. Yeah, it's very, it's very weird. And as you said, like nothing would ever telegraph to me that this would have happened because 
previous M. Night Shyamalan movies look pretty good, and previous movies that this um, DP has shot have looked good, including with Shyamalan. I don't really understand the decisions that have led this movie to look the way that it does, because most of the, you know, when it's not just baffling, as we have already said, it's just like fine. I never think that there's anything in this movie that looks particularly great. It either is like just average or it is bizarrely bad. All right. And now at this point, if you have not seen the movie old, we're going to talk about the ending to the film here. So we're going to dive into spoilers a little bit. We've alluded to it earlier. So let's let's air it out, shall we? (laughs) The idea that the beach is being used by a research team for trials for new drugs that will cure incurable diseases is one that I found to be predictable, lazy, and quite frankly, I know what it was trying to get at in terms of like its themes because the characters kind of state the whole purpose of why they are doing what they are doing and how these people are kind of sacrificial lambs and how they make peace with that. Uh, But at the same time, I think I was more invested in whether or not um, Alex Wolf and Thomas and McKenzie's uh, characters. Well, in this case, they were played by older actors now by this point. But I think I was more invested in what was going to happen with them. And at the end of this movie, you find out that they make it out. Uh, the little kid who uh, befriends Trent earlier on in the movie, uh, he comes back and like the, this cop and like it, it all kind of ties together nice and neatly to the point that I almost felt like it was too rushed. Yeah, yeah. I, I- I do feel like the ending tries to give you one, a twist reveal, but it also then tries to pay off some of the more like weirder things that happened earlier in the movie, like with the um, like the password puzzle that they had to figure out. And yeah, the kid asking everybody, like, what's your name and occupation? Like initially, that seems like one of those weird M. Night Shyamalan like dialogue quirks. It's like, why is this mm-hmm. here? But you get to the end. It's like, OK, there is that payoff yeah i don't know if it's that great of a payoff though that, that's another <laughs> conversation but i think again that all of that like yes it makes sense within the context of the story that they're trying to tell here but i really don't think it's necessary i think that all the attempts to allude to what is going on on this beach and the uh, and then exposing it to the world I didn't need that. Like, all I needed was they just arrive at a beach and they're growing old. Like, that is the only concept that I need. And I actually think that's where the movie really works the the most. But getting to this ending where we do find out, like, these experiments that are going on, one, I don't think it's that interesting of a twist. And it's also completely unnecessary to be effective storytelling within the film. It almost reminded me of another uh, beach movie. It reminded me a little bit of the ending to Michael Bay's The Island. I don't know if anyone here has ever seen that before, but that movie ends so fast. (laughs) And then it kind of has also this open-endedness to it at the end where it's like, okay, the movie's over, credits are rolling, but it's like, I have all these questions still and I want to know what happens after this point. Like, I, I just feel like this whole ending is so rushed and tacked on to the point that, to your point, uh, to your point, Josh, I did not feel it was necessary. Yeah, as I said, it overly complicates a story that didn't need to be overly complicated. Yeah, and like like I was saying before, like once I got to the twist, uh, it was just kind of like, all right, I guess, like I guess that's just what it's going to have to be. Um, and then everything, yes, everything after that just rushed through. I mean, time clearly moves in a very, very fast pace in this remote island, whether you're on the beach or at the resort section. Um, I'm sure all of those people, how nice it is to be those people who just get to sit by the pool and don't get to enjoy this beach. And they're just so (laughs) unaware of anything. It's also kind of, I don't know, like, how convenient that we found this little notebook that literally spells out everything and has <laughs> everyone's information. And what about like the fact that Trent and Maddox are heading home as freaking six and 11 year olds and their parents just died and they only have yeah. how many years left to live? It, like there's no reversing this process. They can't be kids again. Like it's just so I'm left with so many questions. <laughs> 
I just love Maddox saying, we'll be okay. I'm. You guys are going to need a lot of therapy right? after this. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> the movie goes out of its way to like explain things that are not our most pressing questions. And it's just, I, why we, you know, it's like, why are we doing this? Yeah. I want to know other things. If we're going to spend time answering things, these are not the questions that I'm interested in regarding like this corporation or whatever you want to no, call I'm it. No, I'm more interested in knowing what the Jack Nicholson, Marlon Brando movie is. I was really waiting for that payoff. It really irritates me that that didn't go anywhere. Yes, I'm more interested in knowing who allowed Charles to bring a knife on his plane. I just want to know how he boarded a knife on a plane. Um, I want to know. probably told them he was a doctor. Yeah, I need this just to, you know, cut a tumor <laughs> out by things. any chance. By any chance. <laughs> I just want to know, like, how these two now 45, 60-year-olds, I don't even know how old they are at this point, how they are supposed to move on and just reconcile with the fact that they just saw everybody die around them, including a Yorkie, which was truly, truly awful that M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> did that to me. Like, how dare you? <laughs> but we didn't see the dog die. I think that was did it, yes. Like, you knew it had to die, but we didn't actually see it. There's yeah. some restraint there. I don't know if you're going to, if you would include this, Matt, mm-hmm. but I think probably one of the most ridiculous things that I've ever heard was he died from lack of attention because we put him on a towel for a minute. For that baby. Oh. That is probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I <laughs> and I don't know if I don't know if you want to include that, but if you do, listeners, you don't even know what <laughs> well, I don't even know it how is, to explain this. It's technically a spoiler, so it's in the right section. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I was upset by the setup of that scene and I was upset by the payoff of that scene. I just I was unnecessarily upset by it all. And maybe by design, but yeah. I I just felt like a lot of the choices that were made here were for the most part wholly unnecessary. I just needed all I ever needed was I just needed like Josh said for these characters to have this aging process on this beach to grapple with that, maybe have some moral conversations about, you know, their mortality and things like that, you know, to just give it a little extra added uh, layers to what was going on. But I didn't need things to get complicated with sex and dying babies and like, you know, the research lab. And I I will say this, (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan's cameo in this, I actually think is uh, one of his better ones. The idea that he's the one leading them to the beach. I I, I do like that. I do yeah. like that. I was like, ooh, there he is. And then Shyamalan spotting. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I, buy that there was someone on the other line of the phone, though. That was not that wasn't the most convincing performance, I will say, towards the end. <laughs> no. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Shyamalan's cameos are always on a varying degree of effectiveness. But yes. I do think it is one of the better ones here. Like you said, Matt, I think there is this sort of meta acknowledgement of him being the one to lead the characters to this spot and he's watching over them. Um, we've certainly seen a lot worse from him. We, that is very true. Very, yeah. very true. But I do like his cameos. I think that they're, they are fun sort of in the way that Hitchcock cameos are. They're that thing that now general audiences have kind of been clued in to look out for. And I did – I liked his first scene a lot better than his second. I, I would say that. Me but too. He – He's, he's good in, in the movie, but I do, yeah, the, the ending just really, it still bothers me so much. Like, it, it really felt like it was looking for an answer to something that nobody was really asking for. I, I don't think we were, this movie really benefits from knowing the true intentions of what's happening. And it makes it worse that the answers that are provided just are not that interesting and they are kind of lazy it's like the most obvious answer you could think of of what would be the explanation to what's going on on this beach and it doesn't really like get to any meaningful evolution of these characters because they all do that on the beach you know i don't need anything else after that and it really feels more so like it kind of feels like something shaman would have done earlier in his career like around that village um, Lady in the Water era where people are so expecting a twist that it feels it doesn't feel earned. It feels almost like it just has to be here because it's a Shyamalan film without ever really justifying its existence in the first place. 
I also have to say that like with this whole premise about this being this like clinical trial place, we they only mentioned one person that they gave medication to. Like, did anybody else receive any medicine in order to help them with whatever it was that they were going through? Because, like, I'm just remembering that Patricia, the woman who has the seizures, like, she was the only one that they mentioned. We gave her medicine, and it helped her not have a seizure for, like, what was it, like, 16, 20 years at that point? Mm -hmm. Nobody else had like any mention of receiving this medication. <laughs> I'm hoping. Well, I think it was in the drinks that they gave them at the beginning when they oh, got to the resort. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Okay. And I'm hoping they only mentioned her because that was the only one that yielded results. Otherwise, that's a giant waste of human that is life. Yeah. <laughs> that's just another killed, problem. You killed like 300 people at this point. And a dog. And a dog. <laughs> of all dogs. All right. Uh, does anyone have any final thoughts on old? Anything that they want to mention that they didn't get a chance to already mention? Emma? Um, I kind of said this a little bit already, but just so many dialogue moments were so cringy. I'm sorry, but the actor who played Jaren, and we saw it in that scene that went viral mm -hmm. on Twitter, that was he was very painful to watch a lot of times. Um, just the line delivery was a lot I also just kind of have like, you know, get this damn knife away from Rufus. If you guys finally, if you haven't seen the movie up until this point, you will finally get it once you do watch it. But I just <laughs> was like, this is ridiculous. Um, really, the dialogue and performances were a lot and all across the board with a lot of the actors in here, especially Jaron, who it's very important for you to know his name, as he says it multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jaron! <laughs> uh, Danilo? Um, the dialogue's bad. The execution's bad. The concept is good. And there are a few flickers of potential throughout the film, but it's not enough to to make this one a winner. I would like to see just in a broader point about M. Night Shyamalan, I'd like to see him tackle a movie that's more stripped down, that's less beholden to a twist, because I just I want it, I want him to I feel like there's still talent there. Maybe if he removes some of this stuff that he feels he needs in a M. Night Shyamalan branded film that it would maybe, you know, push him, force him to do some different things. Um, Cause this, this falls victim to a lot of the same issues that his previous movies did. I, I, I don't need, I don't need any more twists from him. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this, this, this one isn't it. All right, Josh. Well, I will actually end on a positive note as my final thought. I, the, Best scene in the movie to me is one that involves a rusty knife. I actually thought that was a really well done sequence that, again, kind of indulged in the logic of the speech in a really interesting and suspenseful way. And I also liked how the setup to that scene actually involved using, um, as we said, the character's eyesight and hearing loss and actually used it in a rather interesting way to set that scene up that I was like, oh, that's like actually smart and clever. You like imagine that set up and payoff in an actually interesting way. Yep. Thank you, M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> uh, so I thought that entire sequence was actually the best part of the movie for me. It was really well done conceptually. And that's when the execution, I think, was at its uh, highest standard. So kudos to that scene i thought it was actually very very well done yeah i really like that one too and then also too the idea of getting sliced up that many times and even though it's healing it you're still getting sliced up that many yeah, times still horrifying <laughs> yeah no that was that was really well done i agree with you on that um, I don't really have any final thoughts. I've already said everything that I want to say about this movie. I've gone back and forth on a grade for this one multiple times. I feel like I'm being very generous, though, when I say that I'm giving this a 4 out of 10. I think that there are definitely some good elements at play here, but they're ultimately bogged down by poor direction, very, very clunky writing, and just as we mentioned before, stuff that is there that just didn't need to be there or doesn't have payoff. It's just a truly baffling experience. I know that word's been used a lot here, but at the very least, it's not boring. 
I'll give it that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've seen many a boring films and an M. Night Shyamalan film is rarely ever that. And most of that is because the storytelling decisions, you're just so, so gobsmacked by what is happening in front of you that you're just trying to then make sense of it. And as a result, it's like, wow. I guess I'm going to have to address this when we hop on the podcast at some point. <laughs> like, <laughs> it gives us stuff to talk about. And at the very, very least, I appreciate that. So four out of 10 for me. Danilo? I'm going to go with four out of 10 as well, actually. There's it, it, it's going to it's going to stick around in my memory, as most of his movies do, whether it's for good moments or unintentionally hilarious ones. Emma? <laughs> I currently have this as a five, or this was at last night. However, as I think about it a little bit more over the next few days, I may drop it down to a four. So as of right now, I'll I'll leave it at the five where I'm like, I don't know if I like it or if I don't like it. Josh? (laughs) Yeah, I have also been kind of going back and forth between two numbers. I'm kind of going back and forth between a four and a five. Like, it's not good. But there are some really interesting ideas in here that are just unfortunately not that well executed. And I think I am going to land at a four for right now. Um, Like I said, it's not I don't think it's a good movie. There are times when I'm very entertained by it. There are times when I am incredibly intrigued by the concept. But the filmmaking, the dialogue, the characters, they're they're still so deficient to me that I can't really be that mixed on it i'm still pretty negative on the film but i would probably i would probably still say that of all of his like recent movies and this kind of resurgence sort of like um since the visit really this kind of re-examination of Shyamalan and this reappreciation of him i do think it is on the more interesting side i still don't find that this era of Shyamalan is all that successful for me but it is certainly much more interesting than what he was doing before so it's an interesting failure is i guess what i can come to with this movie yeah i said it uh after i saw the film it's not his best movie but it's also not his worst either but at the same time look at what his worst is (laughs) oh yeah i mean like that period from like lady in the water to after earth like that's i'm amazed that he had a career after that to be (laughs) that's rarefied (laughs) air hey but like you said people have If anything, he is a filmmaker who has endured, and that is something that I, once again, just I I appreciate. I appreciate that he has his fans, and I appreciate that, for all intents and purposes, he's supposedly a very, very, very nice guy. Yeah, I think that is how he has endured. I think his genuine sincerity with making these movies and telling these stories is infectious. Like, even for me, I don't really like this movie, but I still want to root for the guy because he is so genuine about his passion for storytelling. I wish it was a little better at times, but you can still respond to that. And I think that's what has been so enduring about him. Even when he has made trash for like a decade, you still kind of want to root for the guy. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, that'll do it here for our review of Old, because, quite frankly, there is no Oscar potential to speak of with this one. (laughs) No best picture nod? Listen, the days (laughs) of the Sixth Sense Academy Award friendliness that M. Night Shyamalan experienced, like, I don't think that those days are ever coming back. They're over. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't even see, like... Like, the only conceivable thing you could even think of is the makeup, and... Even that, I was, like, incredibly let down by that. I thought they could have done so much more. I was... Actually, that was one of the elements of the movie I was, like, greatly anticipating, but I was very surprised at how incredibly subtle it was, and subtle in a way that... I couldn't say that it was good because it never leaped out at me as anything impressive. Yeah. Like, I don't mind necessarily that it's subtle. I actually, at some points, kind of like that it is. But, yeah, in terms of an Oscar race, that doesn't really help you. And there's even some parts, like, I don't know, like, Gael Garcia Bernal sort of looks like the the pounds of makeup just on the face, like face putty type makeup on him. And that (laughs) really wasn't that effective. I was getting flashbacks of, like, Jay Edgar when I was looking at him. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. All right. Emma, where can I find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at Emma underscore Sasek and Letterbox at Emma Sasek. Josh Parham? You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And Danilo Castro? You can find me on Twitter at Danilo S. Castro. 
And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of old here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment, let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.